No, 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 you can try again. You can do better than that even in the rain. Are you good? Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, even in the rain, you look beautiful. Now I want you to turn to the person on the other side who you didn't choose first. It's a little bit awkward, but we'll move past it and say, you look beautiful in the rain too. A little while ago, I heard a story about a little girl who asked her mum a question. She asked her mum, mummy, if God is everywhere, is he in our house? And this mummy thought for a few seconds and says, yeah, sure, God is in our house. And then the mummy looks at the little girl again who asks another question. This time, mummy, if God is everywhere and is in the house, is he in the loft? And the mummy thinks for a few more seconds this time and looks at the little girl and says, yeah, sure, he's in the loft. And this little girl thinks again, mummy, if he's everywhere, if he's in the house, if he's in the loft, is he in the kitchen? This mummy pauses for a few more seconds. Yeah, sure, sure, God is in the kitchen. And this little girl walks over to the kitchen cupboard, opens the cupboard and inside takes out a jam jar. She unscrews the lid and she asks her mummy this question. Mummy, if God is everywhere, if he's in the loft, if he's in the kitchen, is he in this jam jar? And this time, this mummy thinks for a few more seconds. And she says, yeah, sure, God is in that jam jar. The little girl grabs the lid. Bam, I've got him. I wonder... If you've ever tried to box God in, if you've ever tried to explain him. You see, for centuries, people have tried to describe God, to explain him away. But I want to ask you this question this evening. If we could explain God with merely our words, would he even be worth believing in? You see, I believe in a God that created the heavens and the earth I believe in a God who is the beginning and the end, the alpha and omega. I believe he created time itself. I believe he created the sun and the stars and the sea. Everything that you can see around you. I believe that he created you and he created me. I believe that he's the universe maker and the humankind creator. I believe in God. And God has revealed himself throughout creation. In the Bible, the word of God, it says, even the rocks will cry out. God hasn't just revealed himself through creation. He's also revealed himself through history. Time and time and time again. But there is no greater way that God has revealed himself than to reveal himself through his son, Jesus. I believe that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's so often described as the son of God. The Bible is broken into two parts, Old Testament and New Testament. In the New Testament, the first four books are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they're written by those authors who had eyewitness accounts. They were with Jesus. They saw and heard all the things that he did. And they wrote from their own experience about this man called 
Jesus and John over and over and over again in his book. He describes Jesus as this, the son of God. And in our culture, in our context, that might seem like we're almost saying Jesus is inferior to God, but it's actually completely the opposite. You see, John's audience were Jewish, and they knew in their context, in their culture, if you were called the son of your father, it meant that you had your father's mannerisms, that you had your father's characteristics. You see, if you were called the son of your father, it was a great honor, the greatest honor. Only one son in a family would be called the son of the father. So when John writes over and over and over again to his audience, Jesus is the son of God. It's as if he is saying, when you look at Jesus, you will see God. Jesus, the image of the invisible God. And tonight, I want to draw your attention to three beautiful, wild encounters that Jesus has. The first one is found in Matthew 2, and it's when Jesus meets two fishermen. They're called Andrew and Simon, and they're brothers. And it says they're tending to their nets. They've been out all night fishing. And I wonder if Andrew and Simon that morning just thought it was like every other morning. It was like every other day. They weren't expecting anything else. They weren't expecting to meet Jesus. And then they had this beautiful, wild encounter with Jesus, who I believe is the Son of God on the shores of Galilee. And as Jesus walks past Andrew and Simon, he says to them these words, come and follow me. I will make you fishers of men. And it says at once they dropped their nets and they left. You see, even from just these few facts alone, we can understand and know that Andrew and Simon, this would have been a family business. This would have been what their fathers and grandfathers would have done. And in Jewish culture at the time, young boys were encouraged to learn the scriptures, to go to the synagogues, to learn from religious leaders about the scriptures and the text and what it meant to follow God. And if they were successful, if they were intellectual, if they had a desire for it, then they would continue They wouldn't go back to their father's business. They would continue to learn the scriptures. So it almost suggests that Andrew and Simon, they didn't quite make the cut. They weren't quite good enough. And so here they are tending to their nets, all that they would ever have known. And Jesus says in that moment, come and follow me. And at once they drop their nets and follow him. And I want to ask you this question, why? What was it about Jesus in that moment as they saw him walk past and pause for just a moment and invite them into a journey, give them an invitation that I believe and we see from Scripture change their lives forever? Why in that moment did they drop everything? Did they lay down everything? Did they leave everything behind, their family, their friends, their business? I want to suggest tonight that they thought this, maybe he is 
the Son of God. Maybe this is the Son of God. I want to draw your attention tonight to another beautiful, wild encounter that Jesus has. This time, I want to take you on a bit of a journey, if I may. Jesus has been healing the sick, casting out demons. He's been healing people wherever he has gone, and word is getting out. People are getting excited. They're desperate for just one encounter with Jesus. And here we find four friends. Four friends who bring their friend who's paralyzed on a mat to Jesus. But the problem is, you see, Jesus finds himself in a home where he's been staying. And he's teaching from inside that home. And crowds are beginning to gather outside the house. And I, I can kind of imagine in my, in my mind's eye, they're kind of but up against each other. No one's getting through. And I wonder if these four friends who are, who are thinking just one moment, just one encounter with Jesus could change everything. Why don't we go over the top? And they try it and they, and they can't get through. Why don't we go through the middle? They can't. They, they try on either side. We just can't get close to Jesus. So I kind of imagine that one of the friends looks up and goes, what about the roof? What about if we climb up the side of the house? Because you see, in that particular day in Jewish culture, the houses were built with roofs that were flat, with timber across and straw weaved through. And I wonder whether one of them just thought, maybe for a, maybe for a, a moment, if we go up on top of that roof and we start moving the straw and taking out some timber and we lower him down. I wonder if some of his friends were, were thinking, if you've gone mad. But they all get on board and they start to climb up the side of the house carrying this man. I don't believe it was easy. I believe it was tough. I don't believe it was a, a clear route. I believe it was a bit messy. And as they got up on top of that roof, they begin to take the timber away and the straw away. And can you just imagine for one second Jesus is in this house looking up thinking, what on earth is happening? I have a sneaky feeling that he already knew. And as he looks up, he sees these, the faith of these five friends. And I wonder, as they're removing the straw and they're removing the timber, will the people from, from the crowd look up and think, what are you doing? They start shouting, what are you doing? Get down from there. But they know one encounter with Jesus can change everything. And so they begin to lower him down. Lower him down before Jesus and they... I wonder whether they just shout, Jesus, please, just one word. And we know that this man will be healed. This man comes before Jesus and he addresses him in the most beautiful way. He says, my child. And he says something that I don't think the paralytic man would have expected. He says, I'm going to, I'll forgive your sins. Your, your sins are forgiven. And I wonder if that moment he was thinking, hang on a second, I came to be healed. I, I didn't expect my, my sins to be forgiven for all of the things that I've ever done wrong to be, to be forgiven. And it says that there were these religious leaders on looking, trying to catch Jesus out whenever they could. And they have a conversation with one another. Hang on, hang on. Only God has the authority to forgive sins. And it's almost as if Jesus is giving them another little hint, another little glimpse. Guys, 
I am he. I am the son of God. I'm who you've been waiting for. And he looks back at this man and he says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And it says that people begin to shout with praise to God because they cannot believe what they are seeing before their eyes. Can you imagine being there in that moment? Can you imagine being one of the spectators, one of the crowd? Can you imagine maybe looking at this and thinking this? Maybe, maybe this is the Son of God. My final story tonight, I want to talk to you about a woman, a woman at the well. Jesus was on his way back from Judea to Galilee. And the quickest way to get back was to go through a place called Samaria. But Jews and Samaritans, they despised each other. They would never, ever, ever speak with one another. In fact, they despised each other so much that if anyone, any Jewish person was taking that route from Judea to Galilee, they'd go the long, long, long way around so they didn't have to walk through Samaria. Because heaven forbid they come into contact with a Samaritan. And what do we find? Jesus, who was a Jew, going to a well in Samaria. He takes the direct route back. There's no going round. And he walks up to this well and he finds a woman. He finds a woman in the midday sun taking water with her bucket from this well. And he asks her for a drink. You see, at that particular time... Jews and Samaritans would not speak to one another, let alone men and women, let alone a rabbi, a religious teacher, a prophet, someone who was respected speaking to a woman. So she's alarmed, to say the least. And they have the most beautiful conversation. It's the longest conversation recorded that Jesus has with any single person. And it says that he begins to tell her everything that she has ever done. And it turns out, we discover from this story that this woman is broken. This woman is hurting. This woman is lonely. We know that alone from the fact that she's at the well in the heat of the day. Normally, that would be a community activity. That they would go in the cool of the day, at the start of the day, not in the midday heat. And they'd go together. Whereas this woman was alone, it shows us that she was an outcast, as it were, from her own community. As Jesus begins to have a conversation with her and tell her everything that she has ever done, it transpires that this woman has been married five times. She's had five husbands and she's currently living with a man that's not even her husband. And Jesus begins to tell her, listen, you have been looking in all the wrong places for intimacy, for love, for desire and belonging. And if you continue down that path, you will continue taking water, like water from this well. And I can promise you that you are going to thirst again. But if you come to me, if you come to me, I will give you living water. And he reveals to her, I am the Messiah. I am the Son of God. I'm the one that you're waiting for. And it says that this woman runs back to her community, the one that she's been ostracized from. And I wonder, in that moment at the well, this broken, lonely, hurting woman who's looked in so many different places for love, affirmation, intimacy, and belonging, whether she thinks, oh my goodness, I'm conversing with the Son of God. 
And I wonder if almost flabbergasted, she kind of drops her jars and she just begins to run. She runs back to the community that she's run from. And it says she begins to tell everybody that she meets about the man that told her everything there was to know about her. And I wonder, as if they were hearing, I wonder in that moment if they begin to ask the same question, maybe this is the Son of God. Maybe this is the Son of God. You see, we see from these three particular encounters, these three stories of Jesus having beautiful, wild encounters with people, that we live in a broken world. You don't have to look very far to know that. You just look on the news, you look in your neighborhood, you look in your street, you look in your own life to know that we are broken. I believe in a God that loved his creation, his world so much that he said, I'm going to send my own son to live a life that you couldn't live, a perfect, sinless one, but to die a death that you deserve to die because you see, Jesus When he came to this earth, he didn't just come here to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to set the captives free. He came to die on a cross. Some people wear a cross around their neck. My Savior wore a cross on his back and he did it for you and he did it for me to take on all of the sin, all of the shame, all of the pain, all the mistakes you've ever made. Because he loved you, because he loves you. But you see, in that moment, there were onlookers. And there was one onlooker, he was a Roman centurion. And he looks up at Jesus on the cross. Dying the most painful, agonizing death that anybody anybody could ever die. Slow suffocation, nails through his wrists and through his feet. He's heard the stories. He's heard the rumors. And he looks up at Jesus in that moment as he takes his final breath. And he says this. Surely. This man was the Son of God. And so tonight I'm going to invite you. I'm going to give you an invitation. Because maybe you're like Andrew. Maybe you're like Simon. You've woken up this morning. You've thought, I'm going to have a pretty ordinary day. I'm not expecting, I'm not expecting anything out of the ordinary. You've come here to listen to a bit of music, have a fun time, play a bit of sports, eat some pizza and drink some coffee. You didn't expect to hear about the Son of God. And actually tonight, you know, you know that Jesus is inviting you, come. Come. 
follow me. And so if that is you tonight, I'm going to invite you in just a moment to stand where you are. And I'm going to invite you into the beautiful, wild rain to come forward. I'm going to lead you through a prayer. I'm going to lead you in a prayer of asking Jesus for forgiveness for all the things that you've ever done wrong. A prayer of commitment to saying, Jesus, I want to follow you in my whole life. And so if that is you tonight and you know that you need to drop your nets, you need to stand up, come to the front and let me lead you in a prayer. I'm going to invite you in three, two, one, get up and come forward if you want to say yes to Jesus. Let's go. And if there's anyone else, just come. Just come. Come to the front. Right now. Don't wait another minute, another moment. I'm going to lead you through a prayer. You guys good? Best decision, guys. Best decision. Okay. I want you guys, yeah, come on, let's go. I want you guys to repeat this prayer after me, okay? And I want you to say it real loud. And I want you guys, if you feel comfortable and able to join in with me. Is that good? Come on. I want to say thank you, Jesus, that you died for me, that you love me. Please forgive all of my sin and come and live within my heart. I want to follow you all the days of my life. Fill me with your spirit right now. Your holy presence. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen and amen. Give them a massive round of applause, guys. That's so good. We've got packs for you guys just over there. So if you want to head over, please feel free to grab a bag and grab a pack. And these guys are going to pray for you and tell you a little bit more about this amazing life-changing decision. Awesome. That's so exciting. Right, guys. I wonder, just finally, before we lean into worship, can I invite you to stand with me if you're able? I wonder if any of the other stories that I've shared tonight have resounded with you. Maybe you know that, that you're one you're one encounter away from your life being changed. You're like that paralytic man who's come, who's come with his friends and he just knows that he needs one encounter with Jesus and everything's going to change. And so if that is you tonight, I want to encourage you to head towards the, the sides. I know it's rainy and blustery, but that's not going to stop God moving. But also, if you identify with that woman at the well, that actually you're just feeling broken, you're feeling tired, 
You're feeling weary. You're feeling disillusioned with life. You feel like you've, you're looking in all the wrong places for something that's never truly satisfying. I want to tell you tonight that Jesus is the only one that can give you living water. The only one that can truly satisfy. So if that is you tonight, please, would you head again and get prayer ministry from the team. And I'm going to be around tonight as well. So please find me. I'd love to pray with you guys. The Roman centurion, surely this man was the son of God. It's not the end of the story. And we're going to celebrate tonight that three days later, even the grave couldn't hold him back as he resurrected back to life to show that even death couldn't hold him down. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we thank you for who you are, what you've done and what you're yet to do. And tonight, God, we pray that you would move in our midst in a way, in a way, God, that would change us forever. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for what you've done, what you're doing, what you're yet to do. And we simply say now, have